When I'm not hosting this podcast, I am writing books, but it is really hard for me to write when I'm at home, so I like to find remote cabins in the middle of nowhere to just hang out and write. But I hate the idea of my house just sitting empty, doing nothing but collecting dust and definitely not collecting checks. And that's why I'm an Airbnb host. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. Other popular side hustles are awesome too, don't get me wrong, but they often involve big startup costs. By hosting your space, you're monetizing what you already have access to. It doesn't get easier than that. And if you're new to the side hustle game and you're anxious about getting started, don't worry because you're not in this alone. Airbnb makes it super easy to host. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth a lot more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. Hey guys, are you ready for some money rehab? Wall Street has been completely upended by an unlikely player, GameStop. And should I have a 401k? You don't do it? No, I never. Girl! You think the whole world revolves around you and your money? Well, it doesn't. Charge for wasting our time. I will take a check. Like a old school You recognize her from anchoring on CNN, CNBC, and Bloomberg. The only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. The cold lapin. A really hot topic in the investing world is SPACs, or Special Purpose Acquisition Companies. Today, I have a special guest joining me to talk about what SPACs are and what role they play in the greater financial world. Our guest is going to deep dive into all things SPACs, including defining what the heck a SPAC is. But before he does, I wanted to give a little primer on SPACs. If this doesn't click for you right now, don't worry. We'll get deeper into this definition as the episode goes on. SPACs are basically shell companies that are created to go through the rigmarole of becoming a public company. The goal of a SPAC is to eventually acquire another company that wants to be publicly traded. It's sort of like a Trojan horse situation. The SPAC is the wooden horse that gets onto the stock exchange. Later, the acquired company emerges from the wooden horse straight onto the stock exchange without having to jump through the hoops themselves. Here's where it gets really interesting. When a SPAC goes public, the investors buy buying shares do not know what the target company will be. In other words, they do not know exactly what they're ultimately investing in. That's why you may hear some people refer to SPACs as blank check companies, not because the amount field would be blank, but rather the recipient field. Now that we have our primer, I think it's a great time to introduce our special guest, Ahmed. Welcome to Money Rehab. So for those who are just meeting you here on this podcast, Ahmed, can you share a little bit about where you work, what you do, all that good stuff? Sure. I am the founder and chairman of Interprivate. Interprivate is a private investment firm that invests on behalf of a group of family offices. And we invest in early stage, late stage, private equity, a variety of asset classes. And uh, a couple of years ago, we launched a SPAC strategy. Before that, I used to be a an investment banker at, at Morgan Stanley in the beginning of my career. And then I worked at a firm called uh, InvestCorp, which is a private equity firm that was best known for owning a lot of luxury and consumer companies like Gucci and Saks and Tiffany's and the like. And then uh, for over 15 years now, I've had my own firm, which uh, was the predecessor to Interprivate uh, investing in, in the public and private markets. Do you still get discounts? Uh, <laughs> you know, for a while, I was grandfathered into this. Uh, there was a 
a, uh, a program at Saks that allowed us to get uh, double discounts, which was pretty, pretty good. A girl can dream. So I'm really excited to talk to you about all things SPACs today. So first, can you tell our listeners who may have seen headlines about it, but are still unsure what the heck a SPAC is? So a SPAC, it's the acronym for Special Purpose Acquisition Company. Uh, They've been around a long time, but they obviously became much more popular in the last year or two. It's essentially a structure that is used to help a company get public um, in a different way, uh, which is essentially a SPAC is raised, uh, capital comes into the SPAC, you, you raise the cash, and then you go find the company that you merge with, delivering the cash to the company and saving them uh, the time and, and process and, and a few other uh, advantages um, around uh, around the IPO process. So the end result is uh, a company is a public company by merging into the SPAC, which was essentially a company that had nothing but cash when it was raised. And anyone can invest in a SPAC, right? It's there. Can we just clarify the structure? People have called it a blank check company. You know, it doesn't have operations itself until it merges with an operating company. But I could anyone could buy it on the public market. Sure. So SPAC goes public. Uh, it's always, almost always, but at $10 per share, uh, they raise a certain amount of capital. It's true that probably the folks who are allocated the SPAC shares are institutional investors, although there are ways for people to, to get an allocation. But candidly, so many of the SPACs are trading below $10 right now anyway that anyone can buy uh, the SPAC. And so they can and do buy SPACs at $10 or, or even less. Um, and they also have the right to decide, I've changed my mind, I want $10 back at the time that the merger is announced. So the SPAC structure does offer retail investors an opportunity to uh, invest into high growth businesses with a free look in a way, insofar as if they ultimately don't like the company that the SPAC has decided to merge with, um, on the day of the vote, uh, they can choose to take back their $10 a share, uh, having read all the information about uh, the company that they're going to merge with. Why are they below $10? So that's a good question. So so um, the, the, the reason they're all basically trade around $10 until you identify the company is that nobody, you know, so, so let's kind of segment this. When you take a company, when you take a SPAC public, it doesn't have any sort of um, particular target in mind. It's, it might have a sector in mind. It might be dedicated uh, to a certain space. Uh, we've had a, a fintech-oriented SPAC. We have a digital infrastructure-oriented SPAC. So thematically, they may be saying, we're going to go after uh, companies in this space. Uh, but the bottom line is you don't know what they're merging with until then. So until then, you're just a box of cash. And you basically are holding $10 per share of cash. There's a little bit of, of interest. There's a little bit of warrants that moves it around in one direction or another. But essentially, the SPAC is not permitted to use any of the cash it raised until the approval of the merger. So the SPAC is almost always just worth the $10 plus whatever you think the likelihood is of them finding a good deal. So how are SPACs different from an IPO? So a SPAC process um, is different uh, insofar as you raise the money first, then you find the company. But for a company, uh, the SPAC process is different because it offers uh, an accelerated path to get public. Uh, In some cases, it can offer more certainty um, because once you've cut the deal with the SPAC, um, you know, certain things that you would discover in the IPO process rather late in the process after you've spent you know, a year or more getting ready, you, you learn your pricing at the very end and it's sort of a, 
a very uh, binary decision. Do I go forward or not go forward after I've done all of this? Um, so in a SPAC, there's more of a negotiated transaction that lets you know a lot of things uh, before uh, before you have this come to Jesus moment at the very end. Um, so the idea is to accelerate the process and reduce the risk. And finally, there are some nuances from a regulatory perspective that allow a company that is going through a SPAC process to share a little bit more about its projections in the future than they would be able to in a regular IPO process. And, uh, and, and that is part of what made it so attractive in the uncertain world uh, of COVID last year. Because it allowed companies to project farther out if they were still growing companies that wouldn't be ready for an actual traditional IPO? Yeah, I, I think, you know, in a traditional IPO, um, you know, without getting too far into the weeds, the underwriters, the investment banks uh, are involved in the process. And um, there are some very specific rules because you are actually selling the stock to the public in a SPAC transaction because the capital actually uh, initially comes from the merger of a SPAC that has already been raised or from a process called the pipe process where you uh, raise money from sophisticated institutional private investors, you can use some of the rules that usually would be used in a venture capital deal or a private equity deal, which allow you to talk more openly and have uh, a bit of a safe harbor around your projections. Of course, you still have to have a reasonable basis to make those projections, but um, but you really couldn't do that in a traditional IPO process without taking um, a certain level of, of risk that uh, uh, that you wouldn't that you wouldn't uh, choose to take. You know, last year during 2020, because the, um, you know, the, the companies were so compromised in many cases in terms of their performance for that year, the ability to discuss what life would be like for them post-COVID became more important. Uh, but of course, for all high growth companies, the ability to talk about the future is an advantage. There's just a balance in terms of how far you go out, because you'll obviously be judged on the projections you present uh, with respect to the future. Yeah. It's always better to beat low expectations. That's all I know about Wall Street and buy low, sell high. Hold on to your wallets, boys and girls. Money Rehab will be right back. Now for some more Money Rehab. I wish we had a crystal ball for Wall Street. That would be amazing. Uh, but where do you think SPACs are headed? They were super hot. Well, they were not hot for a long time. Then they were super hot. Then they kind of waned. What do you think the future is going to be? Yeah, look, if I had a crystal ball, um, you know, I would, uh, I would be doing something else at this point. Um, but uh, I think that, um, you know, my, my, my take on it is that the, the SPAC can be more attractive than an IPO in some circumstances, but not in all circumstances. Um, my, my instinct is that like all other things where momentum goes too far and the pendulum swings in one direction, then another, and then it's sort of will find equilibrium eventually. Um, I expect that what will happen is you'll have a, a number of the SPACs that were launched last year um, will, will fail or they'll fail to find a target. Uh, a number of them will end up doing deals with companies that aren't probably ready to be public. And so the SPAC transaction might succeed, but the stock may not perform well. And, and so you know, that will pay, make people more wary of going into those uh, more speculative situations. Um, and it'll all shake out where there'll be a more appropriate number of SPACs and a more appropriate number of companies that are looking to be married to SPACs, um, as we saw in, in a lot of things like hedge funds, um, you know, were all the rage and continue to be a very significant part of the financial ecosystem. But 
you know, six or seven years ago, everybody raised, uh, you know, a hundred million dollar hedge fund, which was way too small to be relevant. And, and just, they all looked the same and they were all doing the same thing. And then there were eventually shakeouts and, you know, some of those became very large organizations and many of them went away. So I, I think that, you know, what, where, where I hope this will land is that um, there will be more clarity from a regulatory perspective on some of the things that people are confused about right now. There will be um, a smaller number of experienced SPAC sponsors who have a good relationship with the investor universe that is coming into the public situations, have a good relationship with the venture capitalists who, who control the private companies that are appropriate to take public um, and have the skill set and experience to guide these companies through this birthing process. And that'll be a, you know, a, a smaller proportion of the SPAC universe today. I think there are companies who are too small to be public on their own, but might be able to merge with one another. So there will be use cases that make sense, but I expect it will be a smaller universe of survivors. Um, and in the process, some of these companies that did go public that shouldn't be public probably will not remain public. So some of them might get taken private again. Some of them might get acquired by a strategic. Some of them might run out of money. And I think that's one of my biggest concerns that companies that go public with a SPAC process, but, you know, raise the minimum amount of capital and then they run out of money in the public purview and, and won't be able to raise more money in the future, you know, they, they probably should not have been public. And we have all sorts of levels of investors listening. Would you say this is more of an advanced investing play? If somebody's looking at SPACs? Well, I, you know, I, I guess I, I would put it this way. I actually think that all investing is requires some analysis. I think that if you are looking to just um, have broad-based exposure to uh, growth uh, in, in the equity markets, there are lots of great indices that you can buy and, 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 and funds that, that do the work for you. Uh, I think if you're going to be an individual investor, um, you know, I am still a big believer in doing the work and analyzing the business and understanding the investment thesis. For today's tip, you can take straight to the bank. As you can see, at $10 a share, SPACs can be a pretty low-risk investment, and that's awesome. There have been a bunch of great companies that have gone public through SPACs. But because you essentially do not know what company you're investing in, I would caution anyone who wants to invest in a SPAC to do their research on the SPAC's leadership. You should be sure to really understand who is behind the SPAC you're looking at, just so you're certain you won't be funding a company you don't believe in. production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Nicole Lappin. Our producers are Morgan Lavoie and Mike Coscarelli. Executive producers are Nikki Etor and Will Pearson. Our mascots are Penny and Mimsy. Huge thanks to OG Money Rehab team Michelle Lands for her development work, Catherine Law for her production and writing magic, and Brandon Dickert for his editing, engineering, and sound design. And as always, thanks to you for finally investing in yourself so that you can get it together and get it all. You spend my-